Komt u weer. Okay. Formula One. <laughs> ja. Yo, everybody. Hello, back again. Yeah, I, um, I forgot to, uh, to press record. So we were already into the podcast for uh, half an hour. <laughs> nah, five Something minutes. Like so that. We talked about uh, our gray hairs and Formula One. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was so literally exciting. missed nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, they missed nothing. <laughs> Just that um, the TV direction in Monaco from Formula One was uh, not so good. And the Dutch commentary on Ziggo <laughs> is fucking terrible. It's like, it's But insane how bad it is. Is there anything the which is Dutch and maybe TV or radio related that you actually like, Jopke? Because no. we have been in conversations earlier and everything mm. that's Dutch gets... I think uh, here in Holland, like, especially our, our F1 TV commentary is a good example of uh, mediocrity being presented as really good. But if you compare it to the English commentary, which I now can through F1 TV, and I'm no, I'm not sponsored, but it's <laughs> so much more information about the race, about the drivers. So, yeah, I uh, I think we. I, I think Holland, um, you're not the right one to be sponsored by F1 TV because you have a really slow car. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. Um, well, you know that Carlos Sainz drives in a polo, so. Um, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not uh, when he's doing he's the F1. He's a Formula F1. One driver. He, he, that would he be was on the hilarious when he would be driving around everybody with his polo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying you don't have to be. Uh, you don't need a fast car to be a fast car expert, like me. Mm, okay. And what was okay. bad about the? Uh, what was bad about the? Um, how did you say it? Like the. Commentary. TV Imaging? direction. Uh, well, Monaco is a race on a street circuit where there's not much happening. Uh, and if there is something happening, you need to be as a TV director on that. And uh, there was like the big moment in the race where someone pitted and came out in front of another driver and the TV direction shut, uh, shut off and went to a rerun of someone flying over a curb. Hmm. Like, couldn't be worse timing. Uh, and yeah, even if you start that rerun, why don't you right away cancel it when you see something's happening but yeah there were more things showing certain pit stops when there was action on track and you know yeah. what's so interesting about the formula one what i th at least think is interesting i really don't get why it's so big did you watch the netflix series yeah i did and i do i i, I like it personally as in um it's i'm a not a guy documentary I'm not yeah, a guy really who watches good. who watches all the who watches all the um, the races. I did visit a race I think two years ago uh, in Belgium um, for the first time just to experience it. But especially when I went to that show, it became really obvious to me like it's a super super weird environment. Like there's a lot of well a few super rich people and a few uh, like the, that whole industry is running on money kind of as in uh it's all sponsored and stuff and there's a lot of billionaires who are who are paying for the teams to actually be able to uh to drive but it's interesting for me to see that there's so many people who like that sport that it's so I think, big i think uh, of course it's it's been there for a long time um car racing is 
in general already quite popular mm-hmm. um, and I think there's lots of uh, once you get like into Formula One there's a lot of sides to it you have like the personal driver stories you have the sponsor stories which can be interesting um, the, the races are just cool to watch or the pit stop strategy strategies my English is uh, on point today uh, I think there's so many different aspects of it that it just is a very um, yeah um, broad audience that diverse yeah but what I get like from the it, documentary yeah. especially is that how uh, how fragile it is as in financially so that if one person decides to stop backing a team the whole team can collapse it was mm-hmm. like okay it, it's it's not a healthy uh, sports actually uh, that's why you see the teams which are backed by the big uh, car uh, manufacturers they uh, will be uh, victorious uh, or, or they, they have the continuity or the money of Red Bull, uh, of course. Uh, th- but it's also what I don't like about Formula One. Uh, goes for most of drivers also. If you don't come from money or a certain uh, degree, yeah. uh, you're not going to get a chance. We actually don't know who's the best driver in the world because 99.999% of the people will never get a chance t- to yeah yeah even there's probably a lot of talent in in the normal people with normal income yeah but and Lewis Hamilton but yeah. said it it got even worse with the with the difference and with like the how rich you have to be to become a driver he said it's gotten worse over the years and that someone like him from he says he's from working class I don't really think so because his dad was always there with him on a car track if you're from working class you don't have yeah. time for that but um yeah like for average people it's just so hard to yeah to get into it almost almost impossible and that's what i think is so weird about that that whole industry like it's so big but if you watch the documentary it's so crooked from all sides Mm -hmm. and that to me felt kind of unnatural i don't know just just weird i I, I did uh, really like toto wolf he's the elf he's amazing yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's the boss of uh, Mercedes. Mercedes. Oh. And what I do like about them is that they <coughs> just they focus on the driving, whereas all the other teams with Red Bull also I don't know what the guy is called, but he's he's continuously going about uh, try to tries to bend the rules to get some uh, advantages. That's not what it's about. It's about racing. Mm, focus nah, on the I racing. Don't, I don't think so. I think that's what Toto Wolf has uh, can hide very well. All the teams uh, try to find rules which they can bend, uh, like Mercedes did last season with the steering wheel that that you can push in and forward to change the camber. Um, but like that's the cool thing about the sport, and it also takes care of um, because of that people start being very inventive with new ways to achieve mm. speed and safety and whatever. That's why um, we get like. Uh, on st- on our steering wheels in normal cars, we have all these buttons these days. It's all started in Formula One. Uh, well, Seatbelt safety. The uh, best everything. cars only have two buttons. <laughs> but just to say, like, there's a lot of even uh, airbags inventiveness. came from airbags. Airbags came from Formula One, right? Yeah, I'm not sure, but like a lot of inventive ideas yeah. and a lot of safety features are coming from um, um, Formula One. Also, the hybrid technology. They were yeah, the first you know to what's, optimize what's the it safest sedan. Uh, yeah, I know it's a Tesla. I know, but that's not, not what it's about. 
That's not what it's. That's not what Formula One is about, you know. Well, they're doing doing a hell of a bad job then if they took all this time to be surpassed by a new car maker from the States, which is just barely 10 years old. No, Tesla's doing a very good job. The other I know, ones are not they doing do. bad. But the, the other like ones saying, in, the, in the F1 saying, are doing a bad job It's saying if you have then. a number one hit in the, in the, in the, in the charts that the, all the other ones are shit. I don't agree, so... Isn't this yeah. like the same as we talked last time? That, uh, that <laughs> yeah, safety is safety. No, but it's Come more on, like man. safety is safety. It's not I mean, music. Yeah. I mean, like it's the same as last time. That that no, there's you can't always say the shit. that there's always one com- like one personal um, like the most expensive things pay for the like the things that become normal and affordable. As in uh, last time we talked about TVs. You know, in the beginning they were really expensive and only mm-hmm. for like luxury classes. Now they're uh, affordable for everyone because someone paid for all the developing um, costs. And I think that's what's yeah. happening with Formula One as well. Yeah, to be honest, uh, if you see that Porsche, they don't have a, a, a team in the F1 or something. I think uh, the innovation level of F1 is uh, really, it's not there anymore. Could be, I mean, airbags, what are we talking about in the 90s? Uh, what, what's up? We're living in uh, 2020 uh, right now, and I don't think a lot of innovations come from uh, the F1 right now. Uh, to be honest, the Mercedes isn't the leading brand they were. Uh, they used to be. Like I, I talked, Porsche, they're doing a way better job than Ferrari even. So, um, yeah, I think that's not uh, an argument. But coming back to F1, yeah, that's I, I don't like the, the money which sets the rules and um, it should be about more it should be about the driving and it should be about some healthy competition and uh, not about uh, the money and the money is so decisive in that sports that yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah. if you followed Formula 1 over the years they already made changes and they're uh, going to change more and more to reduce the, the money gap so to speak and to make it a f- more fair race so they're inventive on that part um, and I think what, what I like about Formula 1 as well and about what the teams and drivers understand is that the end goal is entertainment and that's why the whole and that's why the Netflix series yeah. is so awesome because they give so much access to yeah. like it, you don't see that in any well in, in any other sport I know that is so big uh, hmm. for instance football is like yeah. the, the guys are told what to say and what not to say and with Formula One, you see the meeting of Ferrari, for instance, where they are told what to say and what not to say, and then they say something else. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're very open, uh, which I really, really enjoy. Yeah, I, I really um, love the documentary as well. It's it's really yeah, good. It's great. Uh, all, all three seasons, and uh, yeah, you wouldn't expect the third season to be as entertaining uh, as the last two, but it it still is. Yeah. 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 Is is that also? Uh, the reason why you guys love the music industry so much because of the fact that uh, money is less important and that that the underdog still has a has an opportunity and a chance yeah. to become big. Yeah, and especially think, the dance industry. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, that's what what changed over the past ten years or something. That uh, a guy on a laptop on an attic like Martin Garrix can make animals. And blow up and become number one worldwide uh, yeah. from a laptop, where 
20 years ago, you needed some studio equipment at least. Um, yeah, but not only that. You can now, at, at some point, when YouTube just uh, came, uh, you could upload your own track, make your own bootlegs, uh, say, uh, yeah. fuck them to all the big record labels, and you could get famous. And people, they would sing your song or hum it or whatever f- uh, because they knew it from the internet and that yeah. really changed uh, a lot and I think that's why the, that dance uh, scene I it, it's supposed to never be there and that big because mm-hmm. the majors yeah. weren't involved that was such a nice thing about it and then the money didn't matter either and uh, there were raves with uh, I, I, I don't know how many people ticket prices weren't too uh high back then now they sometimes are now still sometimes they're not i mean uh, it's a really versatile uh, world and and that's what i like about a lot of stuff even soccer because i hate soccer from time to time also when i see uh, neymar falling over every uh, uh, grass uh, spread <laughs> there is <laughs> and um, but um, but still, it, it's it's a cool thing to see guys working themselves up and um, yeah yeah be the the new um, yeah. I guess that's the last step that uh, or last one of the steps that Formula One misses, uh, which what is also what you were talking about and Lewis Hamilton was talking about. It would be awesome if every person kind of had a chance, and of course in a lot of sports rich kids are going to have more chances. Uh, but like with football, it is truly more, there's more percentage, which is which is about talent. Yeah, that is actually how it should be a bit more in Formula One as well, I think. But don't you think with Formula, Formula One's definitely, definitely harder? Because if you compare it to an artist, um, as you mentioned, like 20 years ago, you at least needed some sort of studio equipment or a mm-hmm. decent yeah, room yeah, yeah. or a tape recorder. So you already needed to have the financial options to buy that stuff. You yeah. And without that stuff, you simply yeah, weren't able to do it. I, th- I think what what changed even more, and that's, that's what Lewis Hamilton was talking about as well. Like first you needed go-karts and that's already a lot of money. Yeah. Now you de- need all that money. And then you need sponsorships, which are big, and millions mm. of euros from some sponsor you bring along. And that's why I see now a couple of uh, yeah, kids in those cars that just brought a big sponsor or have a rich dad. Yeah, it's it's kind of awkward, really. Well, and if, you, drivers, if you're able to find a good sponsor, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's kind of a business uh, thing, which you, you can learn on a young age. Go to a sponsor and see if you get a car, uh, can get a car uh, sponsored. I think also over time, when the simulators get better and better, I think it might be the case that we see some talents arise. And um, Let's hope yeah, so. who knows uh, what that's uh, going to bring. I mean, I don't know uh, the Formula One game uh, that well. I know you do, uh, Jopko, on uh, PlayStation. But who knows the number uh, nine of the world on uh, F1 uh, on the PlayStation will be given the chance to do it in a, in a real uh, Formula 3 car. I don't know what's uh, there. And who knows, maybe he's going to drive them all to uh, smithereens. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Would you, be, would uh, you say that cool. um, a label kind of is a sponsor, that a label is what a sponsor is for a Formula One driver, a label can be for an artist? Mm, no, I, I don't think you can really no. compare the two as much. 
Um, I think there's not much comparison between the no. F1. Uh, that's it's it's a bad topic to do a podcast uh, for us. <laughs> yeah, bad topic, but like the comparison is is, is yeah isn't is hard to make. Let's, uh, no, but I, uh, I'm just wondering that uh, an artist also kind of needs, well, you might call it a sponsor or like a, a support. Well, they uh, an artist needs somebody to that believes in their music. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, you start out with no profile at all, um, but that's also what I notice. Yeah, it, it's uh, a matter of perception, I think, because a lot of labels they don't want to get involved with an artist if the artist doesn't have a profile. Sometimes when an artist has a bigger profile, they kind of look. Uh, not at the music anymore they think hey that's a big artist let's have him uh, or her do a track here Uh, whereas yeah it needs to be the way that as a label or another artist or whatever you need to believe in the music you hear and you want to be invested in it and uh, that's how it's supposed to be yeah but it's not yeah, but that's the, that's the thing. It's kind of the same thing as what's happening in, in Formula One, but just on a smaller scale. But yeah. it, it is already happening, right? It's everywhere in the world. And uh, yeah, yeah um, that's because like the F1, and that's, here's the bridge. It's all about money, <laughs> I think. It's, it's just that without making a joke out of this, but as an artist, you actually have an option to bypass that whole system at this moment which is you yeah self-releasing without without joking without joking it's a way to bypass the system and as a driver you don't have that option i don't think you need money to become big as an artist that's no cool not thing. at all uh yeah. you need you need some let's let's say it like okay for a lot of people this is a lot of uh, money already like for a laptop or whatever but other than that, um, you don't need a lot of money and you can s- s- make a hit that a label will release mm-hmm. or you release yourself and it will be big. Um, I think that's the cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> Does, th- did that not make sense? Did that make more sense in my head? It makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> Until you said release yourself. But it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the self-release thing. Again, ah, okay. how He's can it be us. funny for three weeks? I'm a serious <laughs> guy, you know. I'm a serious I guy. Even yeah. longer. Th- oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, yeah I think that's, that's cool. Um, like... To drive, uh, like to, to buy a go-kart is more expensive than a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's uh, stop but the still, comparison. It, it, but, uh, what, what, what about this? What about um, having all the options you have as an artist at this moment and still take well, kind of the easy road and start doing remakes of 90, 90s tracks, zeros tracks, whatever, like... If you turn on the radio right now, it's almost impossible it's to not hear a remake. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's what, um, What's your opinion it, on that? It's all fucking terrible. All the remakes <laughs> should be unreleased. <laughs> no, I um There are some remakes I like, but what I hate about it is that um you can easily hear the difference between some guy had a had a track in his childhood and he was like i'm such a big fan hey I'm, i made this edit of it and it's so cool i want to release it under the the same name 
But what's mostly happening is that labels and artists are saying, hey, that works. That works with streaming. That works, that will be played on a radio. So I'm going to make that. Mm-hmm. That's my big problem with it because you can also uh, hear that in the remake. So um, you can just hear the um, generic remakes and there are a lot of them at, at the moment. Um, so I think if we're going to look back at dance music in this era, what 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 what, what was stopping the charts, <laughs> um, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be like, oh, this is all 90s tracks, but in a new ugly skin uh and yeah there's no new hits not that many maybe but that's, so, that's a so very pessimistic what do you think uh, of uh, lucas and steve uh, new uh, track i didn't which, hear it which one is that <laughs> uh, they, they redid black street no um oh, just joking one, yeah, yeah. we yeah. did also last year a remake of um uh bronski beat um uh super mode did it um uh, it's the runaway or uh, yeah there were two tracks uh um together actually um yeah what do you know you do notice that it gets easier support from the big uh platforms easier support from the radios yeah people tend to like the remake um we also did a few years back a remake of Gigi D'Agostino uh the riddle and that one also went really uh, well. Um, what I don't like about doing too many uh, remakes is that you don't have a, a real individual uh, character as an artist. If you're that remake guy, then who are you? Uh, that actually makes you kind of a cover band. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if you do it um, in a certain degree, sometimes, yeah, it's... It's cool that you can have your sound be heard more by making use of an old track. And uh, I said, Lucas and Steve, I think they are doing a good job also because they have this uh, balance going on between t- doing remakes and uh, doing their own uh, original stuff. And um, But yeah, also there you see that the remakes tend to score a little bit higher yeah. than the original stuff. That kind of... Um, not really upsets me, but uh, I would see it. Uh, I rather see it differently. But yeah, that also is a little bit how the world uh, works. Uh, we notice it too. There's a perfect explanation for that, and that's because people don't like new stuff. People like to hear something they recognize. Yeah, Simple. well, I gotta say, I've seen uh, people walk in uh, certain shoe brands, and I don't know which they are, but they looked fucking ugly and <laughs> fucking weird <laughs> and they still bought them for 700 euros um yeah, what are they called those shoes balenciagas balenciagas that's the one i don't get it at all and um yeah do they like yeah people are uh creatures of habit that's definitely true but yeah, I don't know if they don't like new stuff. Yeah. Well, they do like new stuff. It's just harder harder to sell them new stuff than it is to sell them something they already know. That's and, true. And that's why bootlegs work so great. That's why remakes work so great. Because automatically, without my, maybe even consciously knowing, they already recognize the song. It's which some nostalgia, you know. If you're, if you're sometimes 30, it's just. I, I, you hear yes. a song that was big when you were 16 you think yeah. about that holiday and 
you can it sing along back, the lyrics. Brings back and, emotions, brings back memories. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it's just easier to sell someone something they know than it is to sell them something they don't know. And I, I agree with you that it's pretty boring, but at the same time, if you use it to build your career, uh, it's a super easy tool to gain from to gain gain an audience, to gain followers, and then take it from there with your yeah. originals. I, it, re, Rehab did that, right? Rehab did a lot of bootlegs and remixes at first. Uh, yeah, yeah, WW also do it quite a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of artists. Uh, and, and I gotta say, playing them live is also really cool. So uh, yeah, it's I'm effective. not against it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I just, I, I just love it when it's done right, and you can hear someone was actually inspired, or whatever. Or, uh, but I, I just checked, I checked promos today, and you just hear either a slap house version, or a track that was already finished and slap in the bass, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they put a vocal on an existing track, and you or can easily hear that too. Chicken the bass, man. Or that one. <laughs> Um, but, but I but think it's like as an individual artist, yeah, it's a great way to gain followers and whatever. But I think that should never be your goal. I think your goal should be uh, to add something to the music industry that isn't really there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you can do it through remakes. Uh, but as a music industry as a whole, I think it would be so much cooler if you had some just way more uh, stuff that is unique and new and... I mean, but it's super hard to to break through then. But yeah. But um, isn't isn't that more the job of um, radio makers, playlist makers, taste makers, people who? No, 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 no. I think I think artists are responsible for changing where an industry, the music, should go. Like radio makers, they check what do people want to hear. That's what we'll play, and I think an artist should do exactly not that. Um, or at least a bigger part of your career should be focused not on that because sometimes, yes, you want to make stuff that people want to hear. But I think if you introduce them to new stuff, uh, or original stuff, there's two things that can happen. Uh, one, you fail miserably and that's like 99.999% that's going to happen. But there's could be this one moment where you think of something new, exciting, and then... And there's uh, many examples of hits that were in a new style Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think there's not a lot of experimenting going on or I just miss all those experimental tracks because there's just so much shit in between my promo mail (laughs) like you know what I I think I think there is a lot of experimenting it's just that it doesn't see the light of day because yeah that's what I mean yeah yeah, because because it gets stopped by playlists who don't want to put it into the playlist because it's not working radios who don't play it because nobody wants to hear it so I think it's not the artists who are not being creative it's just that the tastemakers Mm -hmm. and the gatekeepers are are choosing for the money instead of the creativity. That, maybe that's a problem from lately as well. We we have more gatekeepers again, where the gatekeepers were gone for a little while when the internet music just got big, mm-hmm. and now they're back, and they're more the best keep, keep, keeping the gates <laughs> more than ever. You know, <laughs> keeping the gates. <laughs> uh, who's not keeping the gates? It's Bill Gates. It's a nice slogan. <laughs> Gatekeepers, keeping the gate. <laughs> oh man! But I th- talking I really about think- Bill Gates, I just got my vaccine. 
Sorry, which one? I can't say I am in control. By <laughs> I have great 5G reception now, by the way. Oh, man. I'm nice. sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm nice little segue there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, gatekeepers huh. uh, are are in place and radio, especially also in Holland, I'm not a fan of radio here. I think um, there's not a lot of new music being played or experimental music. Like we used to have 3FM, 3FM, mm -hmm. and it was a bit more rocky, pop rocky, and they played like <coughs> bands you'd never heard of and nobody, yeah. and like really experimental, and I liked that. Um, but the ratings went down because people don't want that anymore apparently they want simple stuff they know um so i hope that will change but um we'll see you know what's funny if if there's a um, sometimes i have clients from other other countries in here and they always tell me when i get to the netherlands and i turn on the radio it's so cool for them to hear that they actually hear dance music on the radio so mm. In the Netherlands, we already are a few steps ahead of other countries um, that we even play that type of music on the radio. And to us, it's ju it just became super normal. And some of us might be even tired of it already. Um, but it's already pretty, yeah, pretty... Um, yeah, well, it's, it, that's, that's very true. I think we are ahead with playing dance music, but then the dance music you hear now yeah, on the radio... True you won't dance on it in a club so that's that's a big difference i guess i always liked uh, when like programs like dance department started like they always played the, the underground dance tracks on saturday evening great stuff yeah i, I really disliked it yeah yeah it kind of bothered me that where we had such a vibrant dutch dance scene going all to all corners of the world and they they kind of didn't give it uh, in, uh, attention they, they they yeah they invited a lot of other artists uh, which yeah they were cool as well uh, fine uh, by me but yeah the ones uh, who were paving the way and uh, actually made dance I mean the whole festival craze in dance uh, all the big festivals from Ultra and EDC Maybe even Tomorrowland, I don't know, but that uh, time from 2010, 11, 12, that's when it, it got so enormously big mm -hmm. and it uh, was driven by a certain sound by the Swedes and the Dutch guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Dutch guys like Afrojack, Hartwell, those guys... Um, yeah, that's what uh, lifted the industry even higher. And then we have a, a Dutch radio show in Holland, which didn't give that sound attention. Yeah, that kind of feels wrong to me. I mean, hey, cool if you don't like it, but you yeah, got to set aside your own personal preference, uh, to mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, but but that yeah, the, that's... Uh, isn't that the same story as the Formula One thing, as in... Um what was the i had a bridge there like giving giving the underdog a platform instead of showing them people they already know no because it, it was actually new um 
at one point here in Holland, there was also this other booking agency with a lot of artists. Actually, it was the biggest one, and they had this, uh, uh, their own festivals uh, going on. They were big. And they were always uh, <coughs> telling us, because we ran into each other in Holland, and they were saying, no, we're doing the international sound, this and that. What you guys do, it's all bleeps and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it kind of were a bit condescending. The funny thing is, uh, especially like Afrojack was a big uh, mover over there. Uh, that guy actually uh, almost single-handedly made sure that those bleeps were actually becoming the international sound. It mm -hmm. was crazy. Nobody even knew that was possible. But that was so really cool about it. That was actually the most astounding thing we have seen in, in music uh, landscape for decades. Uh, at a certain point, uh, like festivals, they, they were became so vibrant and so lively again. And... Um, it was actually that sound that uh, had a big, uh, yep. big share in that. So, yeah, I think I we th should, yeah, embrace it as being so cool that I th we were I all think, witness to it. I think what also happened uh, is at least what I remember from high school is that a lot of kids, uh, uh, every like, whatever where they came from and whatever gender, whatever age, they all were uh, like really into like Dirty House by Fado Gonzalez, stuff you could only find on the internet. And yeah. there were parties and then that would be played and people would ask for you to, hey, play Fado Gonzalez, play some Dirty House. And I remember also that indeed the radio doesn't follow that at all. But also, and I don't know how it is with kids now, but I, I'm not sure if they are that much into checking out music that is not mainstream or checking out music on the internet it's just what i do I, i've become very lazy with checking out music hey spotify give me some playlist uh mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna skip through and i hope i find something yeah yeah then you're always gonna get the bigger hits and never the the weird bleep and bloops yeah, from a guy named afrojack who wasn't big but everybody in our high school knew him it was it was crazy it's that crate digging part that kind of uh, disappeared over the years. Like yeah, diving, it, it feels crazy. like it disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, and True. that's that's something that really well when I started uh, playing as well, that really uh, gave me a lot of joy. Like going to a record shop, finding that one track that no one really had, and playing it the same night, seeing the club blow up, and like be having people coming over to you asking to write down which track it was. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that happens. If that still happens, if people go to the DJ and ask which track it was, mm, they now shazam it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Or they get to but the also forest, less. But yeah. Also but less. It's because there's there's yeah. music is available everywhere at every yeah. device at every corner of the street. So I guess you don't have to search as much because if you hear something, like you hear a vocal in it, you're like, ah, uh, I can find it online. I just type in the vocal and. But yeah. I remember back then it was like if I don't ask this DJ what that particular mashup was, I'm never gonna know what the drop was from or whatever. And you would be like, I have to know this song. Let me tell you this: I have one track which I'm still searching for. I, I once yeah, heard it like amazing. I once I once heard it like I think 15 years ago in in a, in a, a DJ set of Eric E at that time, and I. I once now know that it's a mashup. I already contact Rogue about it. Like, which one was that? But he he couldn't tell me. 
And I swear to God, if I ever find that song, I will never stop playing it. It's it's amazing, but I can't or, find it. Or you actually <laughs> yeah. got, come to you the conclusion, it. it wasn't that good anyway. No, because, because yes, I, it's you probably better in your head. No, because yeah. I still have the sound clip, so I sometimes still listen to the sound clip I have, and it's it's amazing. But just to, to give you an idea of um, how far people will, will go to find that certain yeah. song. It's it's kind of comparable to collectibles, you know, like... Um, NFTs? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, NFTs <laughs> in some sort of way, but having collectibles, so collecting certain things uh, that are special to you. And I, I still remember that in times of Soulseek, do you still remember Soulseek? Yeah, yeah. I don't Like sharing illegal music with each other and sharing promos that when the new hardware was out, someone seemed to have it in the community and you needed to trade five tracks to get that one track like it was this crazy period but it's that's dead like yeah. that's not there everybody anymore. was searching for that uh, certain id yeah that's true and uh, yeah that's that's not there anymore but how do you think it's possible to get that back in some sort of way Maybe maybe uh, in combination with NFTs or something. I'm just brainstorming here. But do you I think, think there's an option? On, I think it depends on the how the festival culture will develop, uh, because festivals tend to be more or le- at least 2019. From what I remember, like it's so long ago, but I I remembered when uh, it was more about the gimmick and like the hype instead of what I feel was like more like, hey, it's about the music and people are actually listening to the tracks and are getting excited when they hear something new. Um, that's I feel like that, that became less also on the festivals um, and it was more about the artists playing. So I, I wonder, it, it, it's all a matter, I think, of how that will develop. Um, if, if it will be more about the gimmick and artists, uh, I think that will develop less. If it's more about the music, uh, it definitely has a chance to come back like that again. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think it will ever come back as the, the way it was. But uh, I mean, collectibles have been uh, there forever. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. back in the days, we used to collect marbles, then flippos, then Pokemon uh, cards. I don't know what. Uh, I think, yeah, if anything could uh, change it, it's it's the new, uh, it, it's the NFT. It could, because... Um, when this all started, uh, there was this craze and it automatically became a community. And now we actually have to work for it to make it a community again, um, a little bit a more dedicated community. And you can do it with an N- NFT and make those collectibles. Uh, yeah, if there's one corner I would uh, look into for that, that would be uh, that one, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I- I'm not sure in what form it will uh, arise. I just, I yeah. just... Yeah, it's actually I don't think I'm not sure about that because I my point was actually saying I hope or yeah that could be or it could be about the music and I hope it will be about the music but maybe it would be more based on some artist and you don't care what they play as long as I see that artist um, it's going more towards that already so I think it will probably I would love seeing people go crazy on certain music instead of hey this is my favorite artist um yeah hard Ah. to explain what i mean exactly about i think that will return as well but i think it it might return in in a in a collaboration with like nfts for example because 
that's as, as Ralph already said like that's the only option at this moment where I would say that's a great way to build scarcity to build collectibles around it to create like a community where um, people go and find that one little treasure that you're looking for and that you want to get um, yeah I do see I do see a future there if you ask me and it's definitely something I miss in the industry at this moment like that the the will to go deep and the will to to um, go one step further than the rest. Yeah. If, yep. If to that describes the wise, it best. wise yeah. words. Is that something you guys still do? Because uh, Jay, you already mentioned like you are also you also became a bit lazier when it comes down to finding new music. Yeah. For sure. Um, actually, today uh, Max, who also works has a studio here mm-hmm. from Dirt Caps, he came in and uh, I was just checking promos, and he's like, "Oh, and uh, do you, he actually asked, do you still check Beatport?" Uh, and I'm like, "No," mm. and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just checking my own promos and hope I find enough uh, decent tracks for in my radio show, mm-hmm. uh, and then then it's fine." And I don't really check Beatport anymore. Uh, also because I don't have shows to play uh, and I need mm. shows I need songs for in my radio show which is also a different kind of checking out music uh, if I check music which I want to play in a club or festival I'm really strict or I'm really like not much makes my set um, yeah but uh, for radio show I check it differently <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, you're less critical when it comes to the radio show. When yeah. you're playing a big festival, you only have an hour and you want to uh, display the best Jay Hardway there is. Yeah, you're going to be really, really picky about what you're going to play in that hour because you also have like a fair uh, share of uh, Jay Hardway tracks in there. Or for we do uh, not, we have bass checks tracks. <laughs> Sometimes also hey, a Jay Hardway track. That's also yeah. a thing. What you're saying now, um, DJs would play, let's say yeah. in an hour, like 20 tracks maybe. Uh, yeah. 80% of those tracks would be different ones and would be hard to find, cool tracks. Now, if you see David Guetta, 90% is his own music and there's very little room to become well, part you, of his set with if, your if music. If you even go further back, DJs were, uh, in the first, they were just music pickers. Yeah. And, and a certain DJ picked his music, uh, which was a certain sound. He didn't make it himself. Then the, the world became so transparent with uh, the internet that the music picking was not a, a, a scarce um, uh, skill set anymore. So then we turned to making music ourselves. And then the the time of the nerd uh, came there, the computer nerd. Yep. <laughs> how do you how do you guys think about um, ex- exclusivity? Because I was talking about this with one of my clients earlier today, and I was mentioning the fact that ten years ago um, I really appreciated it when, for example, I got like the the new Bass track like six weeks in advance of release. Uh, because I knew that there were only, I don't know, 20 people, 20 DJs who were playing that song. And I was one of those people. And there yeah. was like a whole, well, you might call it a community, a whole community of uh, DJs who were sharing uh, promos with each other, 
four weeks, eight weeks in advance of the release so that you had the exclusivity. I kind of feel like that died as well. Yeah, that died as well. Do you think that's still valuable? Well, I do want to see my track played by the DJs uh, I still uh, look up to and um, Mm -hmm. yeah, or uh, see it played as much as possible. But it's not of as great value anymore than it was. Now you're more going to look li- uh, look at uh, seeing where other combinations can be made. Uh, hey, you know, we're working with a, a game at the moment. <laughs> Jok is uh, bored. I'm cutting and, this. Uh, um, <laughs> and um, and <laughs> now we're now working with a game, and uh, you're you're more look- looking for sync deals. Uh, yourself, whereas that's actually uh, your <coughs> publisher's uh, job. Don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> no, for the it's next podcast. Talk about that today. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, it's also something you can do yourself nowadays uh, because of that transparency. You can uh, go on LinkedIn and uh, see who's the director of uh, Coca-Cola Benelux, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. and say, hey, dude, I have this track, it's called uh, Brown Sugar, and uh, it looks like a Coca-Cola brown sugar. Let's go. Uh, okay. But uh, that's uh, everything simplified. But yeah, you can do that and give more purpose to your music and more outlets. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but do you think that the, the exclusivity part, so for example, uh, Jay would send his track to you for six weeks in advance of release. You can already start playing it in your show. Therefore, Jay, Jay's track is already being hyped in advance. You guys have ex- exclusivity, so you become. Um yeah, but it's too small. Um, <coughs> we we do it in a certain way. I mean, uh, we are uh, we release our music at Smash the House mm-hmm. um, uh, for lots of reasons, but also uh, because uh, Demi and Mike they play out our music at their shows, mm-hmm. and they play it in the radio show. Um, and they give uh, they're really a good outlet for us I mean they're huge and they're a good outlet for us to display our music plus it also benefits them because it's uh, cool in their sets Um, obviously of course uh, Dimi has a big hand in that because as said before he's one of the best A&Rs I know Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah that's also in a certain way only giving exclusi- uh, exclusivity for the radio shows not going to cut it anymore. I don't think the radio shows get that much attention uh, also anymore. No. Also, it's a statement of mine. Uh, there's just too much good music. Um, and I mm. think that's, well, maybe my problem or DJ's problems in the like the commercial EDM style. Um, 2012, you were looking for the best tracks and there were a lot of inventive new tracks that were, well, not a lot, so to speak. So relatively of what was being released, the, the majority of that was good. So you would have to search for that. <laughs> That's his teeth. That's how old Ralph is. Um, so you had, to ser- <laughs> you had to search for the tracks. Now there's just so much good music already released for the last 10 years that yeah, you can make a big room drop, uh, but there's a hundred of them or a thousand of them. So it's yeah. harder to get that um, support mm. from other DJs uh, because yeah. of the amount of great music that's out there. Um, mm. So yeah, that 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 just makes it difficult, I okay. think. 
I was just wondering because I, I was talking about it earlier today and I started thinking about it and I still see some value in it and I do believe it, it definitely uh, died in value over the years but I think it's it still is some sort of value. Yeah, I just uh, I just miss those moments where and and where there was hype about a track yeah and the whole internet at least the whole edm scene on the internet was wondering this one track this idea where is it from i saw david getta play it there i saw tiesto play it there uh, and that would happen with a lot of tracks back then um and i think there's just too much music now out and yeah i don't know it's just that that's gone that hmm. whole some food for thought yeah Guys, I want to thank you for today. Well, you're welcome. You too. <laughs> we will uh, see each other in two weeks and start talking about publishing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious. I kind of have the feeling you guys have uh, a lot to say about that. No, it's a good subject because I am yeah. still like uh, very... Well, publishing is, is made more important sometimes than it is. Uh, that's an interesting topic, I guess. Yeah, I think it's valuable for people to hear your opinion on it because it's. Um, I think a lot of people don't really know what it is to start off with. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and don't know what they sign uh, what they sign off with, um, if they get an advantage or whatever. Uh, but I th- yeah, it's just an interesting topic to uh, talk I about. I think it's uh, contracts actually are one of the most important things still in music to be discussed. Um, and we're going to do it in two weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes the industry is really um, deceitful when they... Uh, oh, hello. Contract yeah, I wrote publishing. it down so that yeah, we don't yeah, forget well it done. next week. So. Sometimes they say it's industry standard, whereas it's yeah. totally not. And they, they deceive you. And I think it's an important thing. And, uh, well... Everybody, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay Next week. Stay tuned. Next week. <laughs>